Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Thursday afternoon. A little different type Thursday in the state of Mississippi as we've got a big, big slate of high school football coming your way across the Magnolia State. We will preview all of that coming up in a little while with Will East and Stephen Gagliano, the Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company's scoreboard show, which, as you know, for 25 years has aired on Friday nights. will be one day earlier this week. It will be a Thursday night edition, so... Uh, set your alarm on your phone or whatever accordingly and uh, know that you've got the full wrap-up of the high school football games happening across the state of Mississippi tonight from 10 until 11.30. Tomorrow's high school preview show will actually be more of a wrap-up. There'll be a few games still to preview tonight. And, you know, they made the decision that they felt like they needed to make early in the week. In hindsight, you probably could have played most of the games on Friday night as uh, Hurricane Delta has slowed a bit and the track has shifted a little more to the west. But uh, you make those decisions with the best information that you've got at the time. And so a lot of high school football happening on this Thursday night in the state of Mississippi. Welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi. You want to be part of the program, you can do so on the C Spire text line. 601-879-4395 is the number. Bull. There's a lot of it in wireless, but C Spire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. So here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. Cspire.com. I do think there's something that uh, we need to address as we get started this afternoon. As I have been telling you for days, if not weeks now, there's one thing that you know for sure. If the Miami Marlins are in the postseason, you bet against them because they are not going to the World Series. It's not going to happen. Wait. Strike that. Flip it around. Change it up. The Atlanta Braves in the fifth inning are leading 7 to nothing over the Miami Marlins. The Braves one win away from advancing to the National League Championship Series. Oakland is up 3-zip on Houston. If they win this game today, by the way, they're in the bottom of the second out on the West Coast. If they win this game today, they will uh, force a Game 5 in the American League Division Series. Tampa Bay and the Yankees coming up Game 4. Tampa Bay leading two games to one in that series. Chance to close it out tonight against the, uh, the Yanks. Yankees have got to win and then uh, try and win again in Game 5 to advance the American League Championship Series. And the Dodgers up two games to none over San Diego. A little drama in that ball game last night, but San Diego could not come all the way back. And Dodger Blue up two games to none on the brown and gold 
of the San Diego Padres. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, boys, what's up? What's the football equivalent of seven to nothing in baseball? Is it anywhere around twenty-eight to three? <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> hey, I made a meme today. Did you like it? Oh, it would only be twenty-eight to three if it was game five and advancing to the next yeah. round was on the line. This could just uh, be the beginning. What was the meme? I made a meme today. I can't believe you didn't see it. So you know the most recent. Jurassic Park movies. So there's been two now. But the the pictures from the first one, it's of Chris Pratt. If you've seen the movie, you've definitely seen a picture of Chris Pratt with his hands up and there's three uh, velociraptors in front of him because he had him trained, you know? Okay. And it's that image with Ole Miss on Chris Pratt's back and each mm. of the velociraptors are, their heads are the Alabama logo the hurricane warning logo and the COVID nineteen like microscopic little circle with the fuzzy things around it. It's pretty good uh, interneting right there. Yeah, you um, you, you got pretty decent response to this as well. It's pretty good. Jared said this is a good meme, Borky. That's Beck Jared Duke, with, by the way. So I get a little bit uh, more cred for that. Even there, you go. Um, Beck says, uh, dank and arti- uh, artisanal. <laughs> you got the little sideways crying smiley face. You got a gif with a guy taking his shirt off and says, I'm going to die. That was from Zach Perry. And uh, John says, LOL, that is very good, sir. It's a little reaction. It's pretty good. Got 460 likes on it. You know, that's not bad for me. I'm not I'm not a good Twitter person. So if I get something like this, it means that, you know, it was one of my rare good ones. Hey Dan, what's up with you on a Thursday? Nothing. Nothing? Abs- absolutely nothing today. How um just just counting the hours until tip off tonight. Who's playing? It's well, it's tip off and there's only one basketball game left in the world. Let's go with Lakers Heat. I didn't know if there was like a Korean basketball league also that I was supposed to be keeping up with. Did did the KBO come to an end? It came to an end once sports that we actually care about began. Yeah, no, I understand <laughs> that, but that like I, I all of a sudden am curious if uh, KBO reached its finale. I'm sure it did. For some reason, I think they're like still playing. Is oh, your buddy Tom still, still doing the, the 2 a.m. broadcast for ESPN? You know, I, I, I haven't asked you. Now, they've still got games going. Uh, let's see, games that were played today. Hanwha beat Kia. Kai Woon beat NC, the NC Dinos. LG over Sam's. It was a tough year for the Doosan Bears, although they did have a nice 10-zip win over uh, SK Wyverns. I am curious about the standings. No, Dino's having a big year over there. He's almost winning the triple crown. Who is Mel Rojas Jr.? Oh, good for him. 40, 42 home runs, 122 RBI. He's second in batting average at 353. Let's see here. I was looking to see. Um... Oh, it does look like Dusan is actually going to make the playoffs. They are. Um... They're still in it. But they are the five seed. So the one seed 
in KBO baseball gets a uh, they get a, a first round buy. And um, I don't remember all the rules. I mean, we were really invested in KBO back in March, for about a week, early before, April yeah. or whatever it, it was. was. A really good week. I even <laughs> it was it you know I, I went crazy and bought that Dusan Bears hat ball cap. No idea where it is at this point. It was good enough cap, a little stiffer than I intended for it to uh, to be. When I was in high school, I used to collect random sport. I, I see that. Hey, Dad, I know. I, I started talking, and then it hit me, and then just, uh, completely ruined Just carry ruined on, boys. It. Come on, stop. Um, stop. Oh. Fun. Just stop. But I used to collect random sports team memorabilia like that. Like, I used to have... Um, uh, what is it, an El Paso Chihuahuas, their minor league baseball team. We're playing a really nice-looking stadium. But I used to collect random like minor league team shirts and hats and small colleges and stuff like that. Like Limestone College, I used to have a couple of their shirts. Random places like that. It's kind of a memorabilia hipster back in the day. Well, if I happen to find it, I'll uh, be sure to uh, pass my Doosan Bears hat along to you so you can uh, add it to your collection. I'm sure you'll be waiting for that with, with, oh, with bated yeah. breath. All right, so uh, we did get some news. We uh, told you yesterday we anticipated an announcement either last night or early this morning. Word kind of leaked last night, and then it was made official this morning that the game between Ole Miss and Alabama has been moved. Not to Friday, not to Sunday, not to November 7th, but to 6.30. The original kick time was 5 p.m., and so um, in the name of health and safety, (coughs) they have uh, pushed (coughs) the uh, kickoff back 90 minutes. (coughs) Quote from Keith Carter, this decision was made with the safety and well-being of our student-athletes, staff, and fans as the priority. Appreciate the cooperation of the SEC, Alabama, and ESPN in changing the start time, and we will be prepared to make any other necessary Operational adjustments to ensure a safe game day environment. Our thoughts and prayers go out to all those that could be impacted by this storm. Six thirty kickoff at Vaughn Hemingway Stadium. Whatever. Just so, are we going to talk about why it really got moved to six thirty, or are we just going to pretend like ninety minutes is some sweeping difference in weather? Well, okay, so I, I know what you're getting to, and there there are actually some layers to this. Oh yeah, Ooh, layers, and we will get into those layers coming up in uh, in just a couple of minutes because you have had a couple of changes in kick times and one change of venue this weekend. Told you yesterday about LSU and Missouri. They are playing that game now at 11 a.m. Ole Miss and Alabama will now kick at 9.30. Just for the record, the original kickoff times were 5 p.m. for Ole Miss, Alabama on ESPN and 8 p.m. with a slide for LSU, Missouri in the later game. That's what was scheduled. It's obviously different now. A couple of tidbits that I picked up, though, about that LSU-Missouri game, which are kind of fascinating. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We will be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Told you the ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. 
Mike in Oxford says Les Miles is COVID positive, apropos of nothing. But, yes, that news dropped just a little while ago. The head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks has tested positive for COVID-19. And so I guess he'll go into quarantine now. There's an additional layer to this. Okay. He was showing – well, he claimed he had a cold yesterday while live at his coach's radio show on location. Hmm. Not great. So that's not ideal. So the radio play-by-play announcer better get tested. And if any fan came up to shake his hand to tell him how great he was, they got to go get tested too. Well, I, I that probably didn't happen the way their season has gone so far. <laughs> you ever seen that picture? It's from a few years ago, but apparently you can see the rooftop of a bar there right off campus from the press box of the football stadium. And it's a picture of the perspective of where the student section would be, and it's empty. And just above it is the rooftop of this bar, and it is packed with Kansas students watching a basketball game. (laughs) That's very on brand. It is. They love their basketball in Lawrence, Kansas. And wouldn't you? Better than the football Especially with, you know, outside of that Orange Bowl season with Mark Mangino, hasn't been a lot to uh, cheer about for Kansas football through the years. A couple of other texts. you got Tulane and Houston playing tonight as long as no one gets COVID in the next three hours. Um, let's see. Well, college football is kind of pushing through this. That's what makes the Titans deal so interesting because even though they're being investigated and one of the players that tested positive has been suspended by the league, so there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes there. But, you know, 20 guys, right? That sounds like a lot, and it is, but... Southern Miss played last week with a lot of of positives or players in quarantine because of positive tests. Missouri played Alabama with a lot of guys unavailable because of COVID, and nobody bats an eye. It's just a a very different thing with NFL and college and how the positive tests are being handled. It's the roster size. I mean, you've got 53-man rosters is part of it, right? Yeah, that's part of it. You lose 20 guys in college, okay, well, we still got 60-plus guys. You lose 20 guys in the NFL, and we don't have a two-deep anymore. They did expand so. practice squads, but only by six guys. Yeah. Yeah. So certainly that makes it difficult. Um, somebody pointed out with the uh, the change in kick time for Ole Miss that COVID goes to sleep at 6 in Mississippi. <laughs> so, Although, in fairness, it has nothing to do with COVID. It has everything to do with Hurricane Delta, which is making its way through. Uh, we are not. Dark, you can't see the rain. Just feel it. <laughs> Tornadoes do you not can, happen at night. You, you can still feel it, though. Said the guy who will be standing on the sideline with a microphone in his hand. Make, make sure, sure all the rain gear is uh, ready to go. Those good long cleats, so that you don't, you know, you don't. Slip. I think I'll be in the uh, the rubber boots and the rain pants. Um, all right, have fun with that. So. At least at weather.com, we are not quite into the window where we can take the hourly forecast all the way up until kickoff time. We can get to 3 o'clock, and starting at 12 a.m., so midnight, rolling into Saturday, 50% chance of showers through about 4 a.m. It goes to rain at 65% starting at 5 a.m., 
At 6 a.m., it climbs up to 75%. At 10 a.m., it goes to 80%. And then from 11 a.m. until at least 3 o'clock, we're at between 85 and 95% chance of thunderstorms with a uh, wind out of the east that is in the teens, around 15 miles an hour. I did see. My a... assumption is that there was some modeling that they looked at in which the forecast improved on Saturday night. I did see a meteorologist put one of those tracking models out there, and the the center of it, which as it makes landfall and, and stuff, it doesn't mean that's where all the bad stuff is going to be, but the center of it will be in North Mississippi around 7 o'clock on Saturday night. Okay. If anything, see, I don't, I'm not going full conspiracy. I just I did find it funny that 90 minutes is, is the difference in the safety side of things, and not really because ESPN lost two games on Saturday night, so they moved the one they do have an hour and a half later to split the difference between the two and have a more ideal television window set up for one game instead of two. That's the more logical answer to this, to me, instead of 90 minutes makes all the difference in the ability to play the game or not. So here's the interesting thing about the uh, LSU-Missouri game. As I understand it, and this is not from the league office, this is just kind of talking to some people who are pretty tied to college football, college football in the SEC. LSU agreed to move the game from Baton Rouge to Columbia, but they said if we're going to do that, we want to play at 11 a.m., which on the surface you would go, eh, that makes sense. They're going to travel on Thursday, so they're traveling today, I believe, And they'll get there, and then you play an early game on Saturday, and you jump on a plane and get back home. Makes all the sense in the world. I have been told, and I have not been able to independently verify this, but at least as of right now, the plan for LSU is actually to spend Saturday night in Columbia. Which, again, would make sense given that a hurricane has just rolled through the western part of Louisiana and across the northern part of the state, and you know it's going to have an effect on the entire state of Louisiana to some degree, and so waiting until the next day to go home would make a lot of sense. However, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to say, yes, but we only want to play at 11 a.m. if you're not going home on Saturday. There's not really any reason not to play at 8 p.m. at night when the game was originally scheduled on Saturday if you're not going home on Saturday night. You're going to play at 8. It was going to be 1 a.m. when you took off in the plane. Going to be 3 a.m. when you got back to Baton Rouge. Certainly, that would make a lot of sense to me, especially if you've got power outages and you don't want people going home to, you know, dark, whatever. That would make sense. It makes less sense, though, if LSU is spending the night on Saturday night in Columbia. And the other part of this from a television standpoint is you have gone from ESPN having a block of 5 p.m. until, oh, about 11 p.m., in which they would have had wall-to-wall SEC football with two of the biggest brands in all of college football, LSU playing in the nightcap after Alabama played in the first game. That would be really good for ESPN in terms of viewers and holding viewers over from one game to the next, keeping people locked in on that channel. Now, instead, you have one game that is going to kick at 6.30. Certainly will cover up the primetime window. It is Alabama, and so the eyeballs on that game will certainly be, it'll be a big number. But you've got three and a half hours of that instead of seven hours of that. 
I can't imagine that the folks at ESPN, if it turns out that LSU is indeed spending the night in Columbia on Saturday, will be wildly excited. Especially when it's been relegated to the alternate channel, right? Yep. So it's not yeah. like they at least still get the game. It's on internet stream and that some of us can't access. Let me tell you that that alternate channel does not work. Because my mentions on Saturday night were a train wreck of people just saying that there's nothing happening. I just have the we'll be back after this break message for 10, 15 minutes at a time. So don't envy those LSU guys this weekend. They're going to be hearing from their uh, from their, their, their followers. It's a disaster. I had to watch the game. I found a stream on Twitch that provided me a link to a YouTube channel that provided <laughs> me a link to the stream. Do you and not that's have any, the ESPN app? I, for some reason, it would Wasn't not work my provider. It would not let me watch the game. I, I, I don't understand why. Even with why. people whose providers provided the game, the stream was not working for them. I will tell you that in Lexington, Kentucky, it did work. I, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not saying maybe my experience was unique. I have slash had YouTube TV. I'm switching back to uh, satellite, effective a couple of days ago. So going back to Dish, but I just pulled it up on the laptop and sat there and was able to watch it on the computer because. The hotel we stayed at in Lexington, Kentucky, which is an SEC town, and it was not like a rinky-dink hotel. I mean, it was a Marriott property. Not only did they not have the alternate channel, they didn't have SEC network. So there was no watching LSU Vanderbilt or watching Mississippi State, Arkansas. Why are they so, using uh, the alternate channel this year when they have so many other more accessible properties that they could use? I don't know. Lance says he's got Xfinity and it never skipped a beat. So, yeah, I mean, the you know, mixed reviews for how it worked out for different people. But regardless, what you've got on Saturday is an 11 a.m. game for LSU against Missouri in Columbia, which was supposed to be a home game for LSU. Ole Miss hosting Alabama at 6.30. And doggone it, it's at the exact same time Mississippi State and Kentucky play. be nice if we could split these up where the Rebels and the Bulldogs are not playing at the exact same time every week. But... Hey, we got football, so I'm not really complaining. Only a little. We'll be right back. Time for us to talk a little high school football with you. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Stephen Gagliano, the Mississippi High School Football Insurance Company's... Hold on. I just I lumped two into one. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company's High School Scoreboard Show is coming your way tonight, starting at 10 o'clock, rolling until 11.30. It will be hosted by Stephen Gagliano. He'll have the whole crew with him as we have this unique Thursday night with a big slate of games across the state of Mississippi. That decision, Stephen, made by a bunch of schools early in the week. And, you know, if we had different information at the time, maybe those games would have stayed on Friday night. But uh, you make the best decisions you can with the information you've got. So a lot of high school football happening tonight in the Magnolia State. Yeah, pretty much all of the games, I would say. I'd probably say a little over two-thirds, like you said, made that decision real early in the week. And by that point, it was just kind of, for us, it was it was much more worth it to go ahead and just do the scoreboard show tonight with a majority of the games going on. And then you'll have kind of a 
recap show instead of a preview show tomorrow afternoon when you would usually hear the regular preview show. So rain moving a bunch of games, or the threat of rain moving a bunch of games with Hurricane Delta making its way toward landfall sometime tomorrow morning. But you've also got some COVID issues, uh, especially with uh, some of, and I'm not trying to paint specifically a region, but I know both uh, DeSoto Central and South Haven, so some DeSoto County schools uh, having to cancel games tonight because of uh, issues related to COVID-19. How much of that is happening kind of all over the state? Yeah, so this week, here, let me count, one, two, three, four. I'm seeing five games so far, and you've got Oxford and DeSoto Central, Corinth at Noxubee County, uh, Meridian at Oak Grove, Jefferson Davis County at Columbia, Enterprise Lincoln at West Lincoln. So those are kind of the five that I've seen COVID-related that aren't going to happen this week at all. I know last week you had probably the most significant number of games canceled that you've seen this whole season. Uh, so I guess thankful that there's only five this week. But, but yeah, there are some in that kind of north-ish Mississippi area. All right, so we're into the second Friday in the month of October. Region play happening all over the state of Mississippi. What do we need to be looking for tonight? Yeah, so the the biggest one is going to be in Region 2 of 6A, and I think that's or that game I think is going to be the biggest game tonight, and that's Madison Central at Warren Central. Madison Central 5 and 1 or 4 and 1, excuse me. Warren Central undefeated so far this season. Coming in, I don't think that Warren Central was one of the teams that everybody was looking at. Obviously, we were talking about Starkville, South Panola, Madison Central. Now all of a sudden, we're at this kind of midway point of the season and Warren Central saying, hey, what about us? And I think tonight against Madison Central, if they're able to get a win, I think that's a really good chance for them to kind of cement themselves as maybe that number two team behind Starkville. So that's in 6-2A, Region 6, or 6-A, Region 2. Correct. I've got to get my wording right here in, uh, in just a second. What else? What else stands out? Let's see. And so this next one that I'm going to give you actually isn't a region game. It's not even a a district game, Uh, but it's Taylorsville and West Jones, kind of a a 2A versus a 5A school in this scenario. But Taylorsville, I always enjoy (coughs) seeing them play and just seeing them play really anyone. They proved a couple weeks ago that they can compete with anyone when they played Jackson Prep, jumped out to a 28-0 lead, actually blew that lead, and then we're able to still come back and then beat Jackson Prep. So I think Taylorsville is one of those teams that just kind of wants to line up across from anybody they can, and, and they're going to compete. So I, that's not a game that was originally scheduled, I don't believe. I think this is one of the ones where, you know, a couple weeks ago something on the schedule happened, they had to find new games, and they were able to fill that slot. So Taylorsville and Wes Jones going to be a really good game. With two really good quarterbacks, you've got Ty Keys. For Taylorsville, who we've talked about a lot, and then for Wes Jones, uh, quarterback Alan Follis, a couple weeks ago, he actually led Wes Jones to a huge comeback win of their own. So really two teams that you can't count out of anything, and if we've learned anything at any level of competition the last few weeks, uh, especially the NFL with the Falcons, almost my Browns last weekend. Uh, a lead really doesn't matter much lately. Teams are, are equipped to come back, and I think Taylorsville and West Jones could be a really fun one tonight. 
That, that could be fun. And, Gags, you, you kind of alluded to this. I mean, Taylorsville not backing down from anyone, and, and especially when you look at it, some of the, the 1A and 2A schools are playing extremely limited schedules where they're maybe only playing you know three, four, five games for the entire season. So, so you said this was not one that was originally scheduled. We know the Jackson Prep game was uh, one that was originally on the schedule. That was part two of a home-and-home home in that series. How much of the, this schedule is Taylorsville saying, look, we want to play and we'll play anybody out there? Yeah, that's what it seems to be. And, and when you had teams beginning – to kind of opt out of the season or, you know, just decide not to play fall sports as a whole. I think you saw the teams that knew that, you know, they were maybe going to be really good or they had a lot of talent and they just wanted to get on the field. I think you saw them kind of not scramble, but they made every effort to play. And going along with that, another game that that I've got here on my sheet is Northside at Riverside. Northside made it to the 2A state title game last year, lost to Taylorsville. And then this season, I believe they have four or five games. Last week, they were supposed to start their season against Leland, and that was one of the games last week that was canceled due to COVID stuff. But Northside finally gets their season underway tonight against Riverside. And last year, Northside was the team that we talked about with one of the best defenses probably in the entire country, however you gauge that across state lines in high school football, but they only gave up 5.5 points per game. So I'm not sure there's many schools out there that would have been better than that, and they've got eight starters back on that defense. So I'm excited to see Northside finally get their season rolling. Obviously, we're talking about the games that are happening tonight and over the next couple of days, but looking back, some of the big games that we talked about last week is there anything that surprised you? Are there any results that, that stood out based on kind of what we were looking at? With And if I remember correctly, it was a bunch of games in 6A and 5A that we felt were pretty significant in the races for not only the playoffs, but maybe region championships. Yeah, the most uh, surprising one to me, and, and from a distance I was kind of looking at it, but the South Panola lost to Clinton. I, I didn't really see that coming. Obviously, South Panola had the game against Starkville that they lost, and I figured they were going to bounce back in kind of a huge way against Clinton, even though Clinton has played well to start the season. But for them to fall two straight games, I think that puts them in kind of a world of hurt in Region 2 of 6A, especially like when I mention you've got a team like Warren Central that's undefeated, Madison yeah. Central with just the one loss. So... That was the most surprising result of last week for me. Does it feel like, uh, maybe still a little bit early, like the playoff picture in some areas is starting to crystallize a little bit, or, or is it just too early for that? As I guess we're just going into the third week of region play. Yeah, I'd say it's a little too early. I think you've got teams, obviously, that you can begin to pencil into the playoffs, like I mentioned with Starkville or Madison Central, or you've got teams like Oxford and Olive Branch playing really well in Region 1 of 6A. But I think across the board, you've got a lot of teams that are going to be battling for playoff position as the season moves along, especially down in 5A. You've got a team like Wayne County that right now is 2-3, and three, but we've seen their ability to kind of surge in later parts of the season in years past. I think this could be another year like that for them. Then you've got a region like Region 1 of 5A, where Lake Cormorant, Grenada, Lafayette, West Point, all of these teams are, you know, 
playoff caliber teams. You just kind of have to wait and see where they're going to be seated. Hey, we don't want to hurt his feelings by not mentioning it. Uh, anything um, for uh, St. Al worth talking about? I believe they got a huge win last week. Hey, hey. How bad is Silliman Institute? They must not be very good to lose 38 to nothing to St. Al. Hey, don't take Pretty shots rough. at Silliman. Man, I don't know anything about yeah. them other than they lost that game. I didn't either. That is my introduction uh, to Silliman, so I'm going to assume that they're not among the premier teams in the yeah. state of Louisiana, but hey, a win's a win, and I guess it Take takes it. it takes me going out of town for them to get a win, so now that I'm back this week, they're probably not going to play very well. well hey, get out. was there a, a great deal of pride for you in getting that first W of the season? <laughs> I mean, I was happy they won. <laughs> Technically, they had a win. I believe it was a. a they have of a, some a forfeit. Kind, yeah, they, 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 the win against uh, Hartfield was a uh, was forfeited to them earlier oh, this year. Oh yeah, tonight we have a chance they, to make a playoff run here with a late push. Adams uh, Christian think, tonight is who they play. I mean, with district play just starting up, if they win the district, yeah, sure. There you go. Anything's possible, Kevin Garnett. Big, big one with uh, with Adams Christian. All right, Stephen. Thanks for your time. Scoreboard show gets started tonight, rolls until uh, 11.30. It's going to be a little bit different, but uh, we certainly look forward to spending that time with you. Thanks, guys. Thanks. More Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We will be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. You do have one NFL game tonight. You can watch it on both Fox and NFL Network. A couple of three-in-one teams, the Tampa Bay Rays. Nope. That would be interesting, though. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Chicago Bears. Bears jumped out to a 3-0 and start, and then they lost last week. And they were the team we were looking at, the 3-0 and teams that kind of stood out in the, yeah, they're probably not going to keep this whole undefeated thing rolling all that long. And then they dropped game four of the season. Tampa Bay, a little bit different story. Lost right out of the gate to the New Orleans Saints and have ripped off three in a row, and Tom Brady has been pretty darn good for the uh, for the last three weeks. You excited about this one? Tampa Bay at Chicago, 720 on Fox? I'm intrigued by it, though I think we might be headed towards Blowout City. Uh, Nick Foles is fine. I mean, I said this back when he won the Super Bowl, is that nobody should be surprised that he is good enough to win games in the NFL. He was a fine college quarterback. He, he did some good things elsewhere in the NFL, and then he took over on an Eagles team that was loaded across the board. Like, he's a fine NFL quarterback, but that's really all he is. And I think Chicago will win some games. They'll be competent, but there's just a a difference to me almost at every level between these two teams. Roster, the way they're playing right now, quarterback, coaching, and it's only a three-point line. And obviously, playing a road game right now is not the same. Overs and road teams are doing really well right now in the NFL. I think this might be a blowout tonight. And three points to me is not enough. What's the total? The total is 44.5. You still like the over? I would take the over. 
So you say I mean you're saying I'm like 38 to 10 here? Possibly, yeah. That would yeah. get you the over and, and obviously the points. And the Bucks have struggled a little bit defensively themselves. So I wouldn't be surprised if Chicago put up uh, some points. But Brady and that offense, it, they're about to start really clicking after last week, I think. They're just now hitting their stride. Don't forget, they couldn't really do a training camp, and they had no preseason together. They are just getting started together. And they looked really good last week after being down early. So, 44.5 looks enticing to me. Okay. Similar thought here for you, hey, Dad? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't like the Bears in this. And, and Brady, I, I do agree with what Borky's saying about the, the, the Bucks seem to be coming together and gelling at the, at the you know, is it too early? Now, you know, we're talking about the long term. Week five is not really when you want to talk about your team coming together and starting to hit your stride. But, uh, I would definitely take the Bucks to cover, and then as far as the over goes, yeah, forty-four. I mean, it feels right. It feels like it feels like Brady's going to be good for at least thirty-one, and so it's just on the you know what can the Bears give you? ESPN's Football Power Index matchup predictor gives Tampa Bay a sixty-five and a half percent chance to win this game. Looks like the spread is settled at three. Here's what I can't help but think. You remember last week, we, we talked about this a little bit on Monday. But now, generally speaking, Vegas is right. They know what they're doing. And 90% of the money, and somewhere between 80 and 90% of the total tickets, last week on Arizona at Carolina, where Arizona was a three-point favorite. All the money went to Arizona because it made all the sense in the world, right? I mean, the the Cardinals have been good. Carolina depleted with some injuries. They haven't played great all the time. And what happened? You had Carolina win the game by 10. And I just can't help but look at this and go, okay, Borky, I'm with everything you said. Everything you said. Tom Brady, 11 touchdown passes, only four interceptions. He's thrown for 1,122 yards this year. Compare that to Mitch Trubisky. He's got 560 yards passing with six TDs and three picks. Now, one thing to worry about for Tampa Bay. A little short in the receiver department. They've been kind of popped by the injury bug, and they are not going to be at full strength offensively in this game. Maybe that's the reason for the relatively low number. But even in that scenario, it looks like Mike Evans is going to play. So maybe that's the reason it's only a three-point line. But do you trust Trubisky? It'll be Foles. Yeah, I don't trust Foles, Trubisky sorry. <laughs> do you trust the Bears? Maybe that's a better question. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sometimes you hesitate to do this because you... Numbers can be hard on the radio. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. There are some interesting numbers for quarterbacks in the SEC. We're going to take a look at those in just a minute. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can do so on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Coming up a little later in the show, we will make our Pearl River Resort pick of the day, brought to you by the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. So uh, probably we'll go to that 
Thursday night football game, unless there is a Major League Baseball game that you're just dying to pick. One of us are dying to pick. Don't know that um, that's going to be the case. Probably going to go with football. I guess we could go with college football if you wanted to go to Lane Houston. That was a fun game on Thursday night last year. You remember that one? Honestly, no. Tulane Houston. I was was that the same weekend as the the Sanderson last year? I, I think I remember watching that game in Jackson, mm, my hotel room. Maybe. I think that's right. Wasn't it the one where Tulane Tulane had like was a early crazy touchdown late? King was still playing, and I want to say Tulane scored a late touchdown to yeah, they, yeah, 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 yeah. That that was it. Yeah. Every now and then, random things will stick out in my mind from a year or so ago. Happens sometimes. Mike in Oxford says the bet of the week in the NFL is Seattle minus seven against the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I love that as well. Okay. Minnesota's Um, bad, really bad. They have been. They absolutely have been. Question on the C Spire text line, has Ole Miss moved their game? Yes, 90 minutes. From 5 p.m. to 6.30 p.m., game is still being played on Saturday in Oxford at Vaught-Hemingway. You know how I feel bad for if they do get this game in? The grounds crew. (sighs) Because when that game's over, they've got an absolute nightmare on their hands. Good news is they've got two weeks to get it ready for another home game. And we should have great weather, right? It's not getting too cold yet where getting that grass up is a little bit tougher. We should have days in the 70s, right, for the next two weeks. I, I think so. I mean, you never know. Overnight temperatures are a little bit uh, crazy. Um, there were several pictures that floated around, floated around of Mississippi State's field prior to their first home game last week against Arkansas. It looked immaculate. It looks like it's Photoshopped. It's not, it, it, but it looks like it's it. It's that green. But the grounds crews in both Starkville and in Oxford did a remarkable job getting the field ready for the first home game and, and heard some similar stories. I think it was Everett that mentioned uh, Big E, the uh, bus driver at Mississippi State, among other things, who pointed out that uh, Mississippi State Local had legend scrimmaged. That's how you should put him. I'm sorry, what? Local legend. Just, just go with that. I don't know that it's just local. I think well, he's at least right. a regional legend. All right, regional legend. Maybe global, but certainly regional. I think he mentioned on Twitter that Mississippi State had practiced on the field. I said scrimmage. I don't think that's right, but had had a full practice on the field just a couple of days prior to the game, and you couldn't tell. I mean, it looked like a, a, a golf course yeah. that hadn't been touched. So before the home opener for Ole Miss, the uh, the game against Florida, I talked to one of the groundskeepers uh, down on the field early that Saturday morning for, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. And he told me, and you got to remember, we're talking natural grass. It's not the, the turf that you had several years ago, that Ole Miss had scrimmaged on the playing surface in Vaught-Hemingway five times leading up to the start of the season. Now, that's not a full-on game. But that can be kind of hard. I mean, you, you're talking only six or seven games in a normal year that get played on the actual field during the year. And it was immaculate. They had already overseeded it with rye. And if you look really, really close, you got down at like, you know, almost got down on your hands and knees, you could see 
even though they had just mowed the grass the afternoon before, that ryegrass was starting to sprout. You had, you know, little bits of rye that were a little bit taller than the Bermuda that was left over. And they had put, I don't remember, I'm going to make this up and say they had put out 4,000 pounds of ryegrass. Something along those lines. But again, that, that may not be accurate. And as soon as the game was over, they got after it, they, they mowed the field, they kind of did a, a real light punch aeration on the field, and they were about to put down twice as much ryegrass again. So I'll be interested to see what it looks like on Saturday now that it has been double overseeded. But Borky, I think your point's a good one. The grounds crew in Oxford will have a ton of work to do even if it doesn't rain during the game, in the 24 hours leading up to kickoff, certainly the 36 hours leading up to kickoff, they're looking at, you know, if if the forecast is way off an inch of rain, or if it's way off in the other direction, three or four inches of rain. So you're looking at a saturated playing surface. Because it will be wet, you'll have guys wearing longer screw-in cleats, and they will annihilate the field. And then you got to try and turn around and bring it all back in, in two weeks and get it ready to go again. Did you guys ever get in trouble for doing a mud football game in your yard or a neighbor's yard? Oh, yeah. We had a, At, there was a uh, little area in Vicksburg that had a, a like a, a good sized lot that we would go play football in during the, the mud. We had some epic mud football games in the neighborhood that was right next to mine growing up. And there was this particular, it was cold, and so it's not like it was great grass growing time. And it rained, and it was one of those deals where it rained for like a week. And it was a mud football game where we played for hours. And, you know, when it was all over, you you, you couldn't see the skin of anybody that had played in. We were all freezing and just covered absolutely head to toe. And I think parents kind of knew that it was going on, but didn't really think all the way through about what it was going to do in terms of (laughs) the effect on the yard. We were invited back the next day and were told to get shovels and rakes and go fix the yard. I I don't know that in reality that yard was ever the same, certainly not for uh, months and months on end, but uh, that's how it goes. Jeff wants to know if Ole Miss owns a field tarp. Jeff traveling on I-55 this afternoon. I don't know the answer to that, but I don't think so. In fact, I'm almost certain that they don't. Obviously, you've got the tarp that you have for baseball, but that doesn't come anywhere close to covering the field. If you've got one, I'm going to say it would make a lot of sense to put it down at lunchtime on Friday and then roll it off. But no, they're, it, uh, unless unless I'm crazy, that does not exist for the football field. Has State got one? Do you know, Haydad? Not that I'm aware of. You see that in, in cold climates in the NFL a lot. You know, they'll, they'll put a tarp down over the field in Green Bay and keep those heaters going underneath it. I don't guess Chicago does that anymore since they've got artificial surface. Is Green Bay artificial now? Am I crazy? They switched to that? Is it? Surely not. I don't even know anymore. 
What is the cost of a 120-yard by 55-yard tarp? Probably not cheap, and it's not like you can sell advertisement on it either. Yeah, I mean, in baseball, every you can... four years, your ad will be seen by nobody. I, I was going to say, because you're going to cover it with nobody in the stadium. At least in baseball, you put a big ad on it if you want to, and you can maybe offset the uh, the cost of the tarp. Jeff says, when did Chicago get turf? Because when I went five or six years ago, they didn't have it. I may be wrong about that. We gotta, If only there was a device, hey, Dad. They're still running it's natural gra- grass in Green it's Bay. It's grass at Lambeau. That's what I was looking up. We're looking up Soldier Field now? Yeah. Because so winters in northern Wisconsin are prime for grass growing. Yeah, but I mean, That's it's why it's like- the frozen tundra. Frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. That would defeat the whole... I mean, it's no longer frozen tundra if you have turf. Yeah. Now, let's see here. Chicago. Maybe I'm wrong about Chicago, too. It's grass. They were they were turf from 71 to 87. And yeah, it was the bad AstroTurf. Yeah, the, the, the actual, like, carpet on carpet. Carpet. Yeah. Yeah, now, it, now it, is, it is natural grass. Kentucky bluegrass. And we got a table for one we're looking for. Party of one, table for one. This guy says, I was really disappointed when Ole Miss changed from turf to grass. I loved the turf. You are literally, I think, on an island of one. It was shiny. It looked terrible on television. It didn't look or feel like college football. And the grass that they've replaced it with looks spectacular. Now, you're entitled to your own opinion completely. But that is literally the only person that I have ever heard say, I was disappointed when Ole Miss went back to natural grass. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and right now on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We are glad to have you along. You can be part of the conversation on the C Spire text line. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports right now. Lee, I want to circle to a conversation we were having just a minute ago with you. And that's the idea that the odds makers in Las Vegas, generally speaking, pretty darn good at their job. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, and, you got some sharp minds, and they get around, uh, start sitting around Saturday afternoon to discussing uh, the college lines and the NFL lines on Sunday afternoon. It's, the games are being played, and um, that and also offshore. I mean, there's a couple offshore books, and, and generally it's they have an odd number, three or five people, and they're close. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> they, I mean, look. I mean, for instance, look at the Texas and and uh, line last week against TCU. That total yeah. uh, sitting at sixty-two. It's right on sixty-two, and the safety uh, takes it over. Hmm. So uh, they're pretty sharp game in total, and uh, uh, they've done they they've been around the block before. Put it that way. Yeah, no question about that. But here's what I was going to get to. So last week you looked at a game where almost all of the money, at like eighty, ninety percent of the money, on Arizona mm-hmm. at Carolina. Three-point right. favorite, and then Carolina wins the game by ten. And you look right. at this one tonight in the NFL, where you got the Bucks as a three-point favorite against the Bears, and it feels like probably most everybody's on the Bucks and expects them to win that game. Is this one of those kind of fishy lines? Have you got a lean on this game tonight? 
Um, not real, not nothing real strong. You know what's going on is, uh, yeah, it's a lot of public money, <laughs> but the sharps are coming on the, on the other side. They're taking Chicago, so uh, you can have. I'm seeing like 78 percent of the money is bet on Tampa Bay uh, tonight, uh, but you know the the problem is those people are betting you know ten, fifty dollars, and then a sharp will come by and and, and come over the top and play three to five thousand on a game. So. Um, these Thursday night games are, are usually pretty tough, but um, you know that's what that's what makes it so interesting. It's a little cat and mouse game going back and forth. All right, let's jump into some of these college yep. games this weekend. Alabama twenty three and a half, twenty four, depending on uh, where you look. Line hasn't moved a whole lot this week. Uh, so a big favorite in Oxford. It's uh, Lane Kiffin coaching Ole Miss. Nick Saban. We know the zero and twenty against former assistants. Yep. Fairly big number, considering that Ole Miss has uh, has had some success offensively in their first two games against Florida and uh, Kentucky. What do you make here of the Crimson Tide as a big favorite in Oxford? Well, I think people can kind of figure this game out. Alabama's offense can pretty much score at will. The defense, though, gave up 27 first downs and 450 yards last week to A&M. So I think Ole Miss can score here and uh I think they have a fighter's chance here in Bama, believe it or not, one in seven against the spread after facing A&M. I just think the the best part of the game is going to be the five, ten minutes. I want them just to go there early and pan on and see if Nick Saban goes over and talks to Lane Kiffin uh, and their, just watch their facial expressions uh, before and during the game. So I think Alabama wins 52-34, but I like Ole Miss here plus the points. Ooh, 52-34. Yep. A lot of points in that one. Over might be a, a play as well based on uh, on those numbers. All right, Kentucky against Mississippi State. The, the line has actually moved a little in favor yep. of Mississippi State based on what I'm looking at. I think Kentucky a two-point favorite mm-hmm. uh, in this ballgame. Kentucky 0-2 start, and I'm not sure a lot of people saw that coming. Mississippi State the big win in week one and then the big loss last week. So what happened in the game, I mean, obviously the first week, that that touchdown that was taken away, I thought that just took the sales out of them. And then uh, last week, you know, they're up seven points, and they're driving. They throw a ball, a bomb, and right in the kid's hands, and uh, he drops the ball. It was uh, Harris, DeMarcus Harris. He he makes that catch, and and I think it's game over. And then the next play, the field goal hits the post. So, uh, unfortunate for Kentucky. Now they got to deal with Smoke, their best running back, gone for a few weeks with a rib, rib injury here. I, I think Mississippi State's got to run the football more. Colin Hill is a special back, and he's coming back and uh, just got to use him. And Mississippi State uh, probably isn't as good as they showed against LSU, but certainly not as bad against Arkansas. But that's the Pirate. You know, uh, as an underdog, 15-8 and eight against the spread since his days at Washington State. And uh, the Kentucky secondary here, I think, can be had. Uh, they've allowed seven touchdown passes in two weeks and allowing 9.9 yards per attempt. I think the wrong team's favorite. Give me State here, 36-33. So Mississippi State wins it straight up by a field goal in Lexington. If that's the final, my goodness, they will be hand-wringing in Lexington. Let's go to the ACC, game that a lot of people are talking about nationally. Clemson, you know, no shock that they're a two-touchdown favorite, but Miami uh, has been a little bit of the kind of darling in college football. They've played well uh, against a, a variety of teams so far. What do you think about this? I know those are your, your hometown guys. 
Yeah, and De'Ara King has been a shot in the arm for this offense. From averaging 367 yards per game last year to 499 this year after three games, the kid's special. The problem here is I don't think they're the seventh-best team in the country. I think they're overranked. I think they're offensive line. I don't think they have a kid on their team that would start for an Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. Uh, Their defensive tackles, I don't think any of the kids would be three deep at Clemson. Their linebackers, inexperienced, and even their cornerbacks and strong. Riker, I don't think they're right there yet. I think they're getting close, and next year's re- recruiting class might get them close, but they're not there yet. I think someone might have poked the bear here. I think Clemson's going to wake up for this game. As long as it's not a torrential downpour, and there is rain forecast, 90%. I'm watching, I got, I got three TV screens and two computer screens watching weather now uh, on a couple of them because uh, heavy rainstorms uh, in the South Carolina, North Carolina area. I still like Clemson 45-24. 45-24, so Clemson covering the uh, two-touchdown line. Let's circle back to Ole Miss-Alabama just for a second. Yep. The impending Hurricane Delta, uh, Whether how much of a factor is that for you in handicapping that game? Uh, it, it, I mean, if it's pouring, it's it's not good for for Mississippi State. Obviously, you know they like to throw the football more, and and uh, you know it, it, it could hurt the scoring, could hurt the total there, and also could hurt their passing game. So um, probably not a game that I'm personally playing, but you know we always uh, give our prediction. And uh, if it's pouring rain, might be a game you stay off of. Same thing for Miami and Clemson. Florida is a six-and-a-half-point favorite at Texas A&M. That feels awfully enticing, given what Florida's done offensively in the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, Kyle Trask, I mean, he might be this year's version of Joe Burrow, completing almost 72% of his passes. The AM pass defense allowing 10.4 yards per attempt. That is not good at all. And Kellen Mond, I mean, the, the guys, he's, he's just a, just dunking and dinking underneath uh, without Osman there this year. So, uh, uh, and Jimbo, uh, you know, the shine's off. Four and eight against the spread the last 12 games since mid-2019. Um, I think Florida's the right side here, 35-24. 35-24, not even terribly close there, so a little bit of uh, breathing room. Yeah. Well, Georgia, Tennessee. score, and they're at home, and they've got some players on defense, but uh, you know, like the Florida's defense isn't great either, so well, yeah. it should be a fun game. What about Georgia and Tennessee? This one is in Athens. Georgia looked uh, pretty darn good, especially on the defensive side last weekend. Offensively, they've looked a little bit to be desired. Tennessee, yeah. just kind of a, a scrappy team. Jarrett Garantano, not great, but not bad. They're running the football effectively. Tennessee, if you don't believe it, just ask them. They will remind you that they have won eight in a row. Any chance that trend continues this week? They have a shot. I think they are much improved. I don't know if they're there yet. This is a game, I'm going to give you a prediction on the game, but this might be a game you you watch a couple series and and play in-game betting or play it at halftime. If the Vols can run the football the first couple series, they've got a chance to win the game. If it's like last week, and, and let me tell you something, that, that score was not close. I mean, anyone who tells you it was a 21-point game, it could have been 40. Georgia was dominant. They could not run the football, Auburn. Uh, the Vols need to run the football. Uh, last week, 51 rushes, 23 passes. They want to have at least you know 40 to 50 runs every single uh, week and use that play action. That's where they're effective. Uh, but 
Georgia's run defense is really good, and then they you they get you in long down distance situations. They come after you with different pass rushes, and their DBs. I think almost every one of their starters is from South Florida. Uh, they make plays on the ball, and Stetson Bennett. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't look like a quarterback at five eleven one ninety, but um, he gets the guys uh, the ball that need to get the ball and make plays. So I like Georgia thirty to thirteen. Um, I probably will not play this game. I'll probably, like I said, play in-game betting and watch the first two series of the game. Lee, tell everybody about Locktober. We've got about uh, 30 seconds left. Uh, pretty good savings to get the rest of the month. Yeah, we're on our, a big-time run here. We've won four or five weeks since the start of the year. They can get a month of games, including my 45-unit play, my biggest play this year in the NFL uh, just $197 works out to $50 a week. $197, 50 bucks a week at ParamountSports.com. Or you want to get the game of the week? How about it tonight? I'll give you Houston and Tulane on me. Just call 800-400-9741. Free play. 800-400-9741. The game of the week tonight with Houston and Tulane. ParamountSports.com. If you want to take advantage of Locktober. Uh, Lee, thanks as always. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks, Richard. Okay, stay safe. That's Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports visiting with us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. We will be right back. Ceasefire text line if you want to be part of the conversation, 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. I teased it earlier. Let's get into some of those numbers from quarterbacks in the, in, uh, I'm sorry, in college football, not in the NFL, in college football. So SEC only here. SEC only. And, Borky, this comes from StatCast, is that right? That's right. All right, so so some of these are mainline, mainstream, and some are a little more analytics-driven. By the way, fly ball to right field, good catch made down in the corner, and the Atlanta Braves are headed to the National League Championship Series. They win 7 to nothing over the Miami Marlins and sweep the fish to go to the NLCS. Pretty good playing by the Braves. That's um, that's five straight in the postseason. Advanced out of the wild card round, two games to none, three games to none over the Marlins. They are now four wins away from the World Series. All right, so here we go. Play action passing. SEC quarterbacks with the highest percentage of play-action passes entering Week 3 with a minimum of 30 attempts. Mac Jones, 27.5% of his passes are play-action. Matt Corral for Ole Miss, 26.7%. Hey, Dad, not on this list, K.J. Costello. That's no surprise, though, if you watch Mike Leach and watch his offense. You know, it's just a lot of straight drop back. There is some play action, but there's not a lot. It's less than 15% because the top 10 quarterbacks in the SEC are listed. Number 10 on this list is Stetson Bennett at 15.8%. So K.J. Costello not in the top 10 in terms of play action. And that's just a philosophy. 
I mean, there, there are a lot of coaches who love the idea, even in spread option looks, of trying to freeze linebackers with play action. Mike Leach, that's not his philosophy. There's a lot of getting it out quickly, and there's a lot of, I guess he wants his quarterback's eyes down the field, and he doesn't want him worrying about a running back. He's more worried about what receivers are doing and what coverages right. are there. I agree. And some of the formations just don't lend themselves to it. I mean, you, you see a lot of four and five wide in which you don't have the running back even in the backfield. How much five wide has there been for Mississippi State not a whole first ton. two games? Not a whole lot. Not, not, I, I couldn't put a percentage on it, but it's not a whole lot. So generally speaking, there's been a running back in the backfield at the yeah. snap. I would say that there's been more two back than there's been five wide. Are they handing it off when there's two back? Uh, not necessarily, <laughs> no. Just keeping one guy in to block, another guy goes out in the pattern. And if you go five wide, unless you line up your running back as one of those five, you're taking your best player off the field when you do that. Yeah. On the Ole Miss side of things, I, I don't know if you've made the same observation. I think you see such a high percentage of play action, but it's more than just that. I think every play, they are showing something else as well. It is an offense that provides you so many different looks, even within the course of one single play, that it's not just a play action presented uh, percentage. It's all the time. You get multiple looks from the same play call in that offense almost every time. Do you think that's a function of Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy trying to scheme themselves an advantage? Without a doubt, yeah. Trying to give the defense more things to look at, more things to think about pre-snap? Yeah, it's an offensive philosophy, but I mean that's how you get, and you, you had it multiple times Saturday, where a tight end slips out completely uncovered, unaccounted for. Those kind right. of things happen when... I don't want to call it a triple option, but it's it's similar in a responsibility sense. Where in a triple option, the defense has so many different assignments to cover. If one guy blows his assignment, big play. It's similar in that regard. There are so many different looks and options in that offense that if one guy blows their assignment, you get a Kenny Aboa running with without an opponent within 20 yards of him. Yeah, that kind of philosophy. It's working, obviously. On the um, the, the play in overtime where <laughs> Ole Miss scored from the what three yard line after the pass interference in the end zone. I guess it was that they tried to run it once, and then so maybe it was from the two. I asked Lane Kiffin just kind of about you know that particular play call. Just kind of walk us through it because there was a lot going on. You remember Matt Corral was under center, and they took Elijah Moore and they motioned him across. Back and across again, ultimately going toward the Kentucky sideline. And Lane said that's a play they ran at Southern Cal. They ran it to Robert Woods at Southern Cal, where they brought him across the formation to bring a defender with him, and then they took him back again, and then they took him back again the way he was originally going in motion. And just all that movement created a little bit of separation. That's what you saw with Elijah Moore, where he was able to just slip across the goal line. I mean, he ran a beeline, one yard beyond the pie line in the corner. Did you notice? And it was there quickly. When they decided to snap the ball there, Elijah Moore snap, uh, slapped Matt Corral on the side of the butt 
And that's the what last the ball time was he came across. The last time he came across, he, he gave him a, a nice slap on the rear end, and they snapped the football, and he was open. I, I thought at the time it was simply Moore was waiting, going back and forth, and once he got the look he liked or like got a defender leaning one way, gave the sign to the quarterback, and then took off. That, that was what I assumed it was. But definitely he gave him a slap, and the ball was snapped. I thought that was funny. Adjusted completion percentage. In in basketball, we talk about effective shooting percentage and effective three-point shooting percentage. So this is completion percentage when you take the junk out. When there's an obvious throwaway because the quarterback's making a a smart decision. A a Hail Mary play that is low percentage. A ball, Borky, that is what, spiked? Yeah, spikes, batted balls. It it takes away the passes that clearly were, yes, that clearly were not the quarterback's thrown. fault. Yes, yeah, basically. So so plays that are not necessarily the quarterback's fault don't count against his percentage. These numbers are off the charts. Mac Jones at Alabama, 82.6% adjusted completion percentage. When he's doing what he's supposed to do and a play works where he just gets the pass off in the air, He's completing almost eight and a half out of every ten passes he throws. Matt Corral's in the same boat, eighty-two point one percent. Kyle Trask just a shade below eighty-one percent. Felipe Frank's pretty good at seventy-nine point six percent, and KJ Costello at Mississippi State seventy-four and a half percent. And that number would be higher if you were able to take away some of those errant throws that have turned into interceptions. Highest drop rate that quarterbacks suffer from in the SEC. I want this number for 2019, Borky, just for the record. (laughs) I want to know. Bazalak, the uh, freshman at Missouri, 14.3%. Think about that. That's a drop on one and a half out of every ten passes. That's Colin Hill at... Colin Hill at South Carolina, 12.8%. Felipe Franks at Arkansas, just a shade under 11%. Kyle Trask is 9.86% at Florida. And think about the numbers he's been he's put up. Miles Brennan at uh, LSU, 9.64. Pretty good for K.J. Costello, 5.88%. Hey, Dad, that's got to be a massive improvement over a year ago. Just without looking, I would be willing to bet it's it's seven to eight percent better. You could put your mortgage on that right now. Yeah, I feel pretty confident. By the way, Matt Corral not in the top ten. Ole Miss hasn't dropped many balls this year. Mm-hmm. Over, the, I mean, two games, small sample size. We're talking about minimum of thirty attempts on the year, but it's less than five percent. The SEC average is seven point seven six. I, when I saw that, I, I was thinking about it. I'm sure there has been one. I don't remember one, though. You know what else there hasn't been that I can really remember so far this year for Ole Miss? Maybe a couple. Screen passes. Percentage screen rate going into week three. Seals at Vanderbilt, the freshman. 15% of his passes have been screens. Terry Wilson at Kentucky. Fourteen and a half percent. 
Kyle Trask, 11%. Bo Nix, 10.5%. KJ Costello, 8.4%. Hey, Dad, you thought the screen was going to be a big part of this offense. That actually may be a little lower than you would have anticipated. They didn't throw many last Saturday against uh, Arkansas. They threw quite a few against LSU. And for what it's worth, I didn't put it here, Matt Corral leads the SEC and distance traveled throwing the ball. So he, the Ole Miss throws the ball down the field with him. Yeah. Uh, number one in the SEC. And also number one in terms of yards per attempt and per cl- completion, I think. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will be right back. It's in my face. I said you guys ever had the knock on your door from the high schoolish age kid who's trying to raise money for the sports team that he participates in? Like they need new uniforms or they got a trip coming up or a tournament they're trying to raise money for to pay the entry fee? We did that for new uniforms one year. Did you really? And our coach chose Brown because he must have hated us. Brown uniforms? Yeah, so we were... Orange and, school colors. orange and white, but brown was like an accent. You know, think Clemson and purple. Like, it's there, but it's not really there. And he decided after we spent time raising money and all that crap that our uniforms were going to be brown for my junior and senior year. What was the um, What was the reception when you would walk up and knock on somebody? What were you selling? Well, it, it was basically... Um, I don't know how you describe it. It was like a sponsorship, but not really, because you definitely weren't getting anything out of it. I mean, it was like, you know, little signs in the stadium and stuff like so that. You're just, you just very, asking for donations, basically. We were asking for donations. They yeah. got something out of it, but they didn't really get anything out of it. Hey, we were in our baseball team. Stuff. Like, we did an annual fundraiser, like, where we sold Brunswick stew. It was like a big deal. I mean, like, I made it in like a hundred gallon, you know, kettle. And people would come by and they'd, you know, pick up a quarter, a gallon of Brunswick stew or whatever. It was actually pretty good. There were some dads that were involved with it that actually knew what they were doing, and the team kind of had to help distribute it, whatnot. I think the soccer team one year sold oranges. Which is I mean, okay. <laughs> Buy a sack of oranges for twenty bucks or, or something like that. But it was, yeah. you know, to help support whatever it was they were doing. And you get you get teams all the time that are you know they sell the little coupon cards where you get like you know pizza for a year for you know five dollars off or something like that. So all that's well and good. That's not even what I'm talking about though. Like uh, the kids that'll walk up, they get like you know a sack of candy bars, and you can buy a candy bar for ten dollars to help them you know support the AAU team they're playing for. And generally speaking, you want to help these guys, but you can't help but wonder if it's a scam. It's like, really? I mean, you really doing that? I feel like the days of the door-to-door salesmen don't really exist all that much. I mean, you used to have people selling vacuum cleaners door-to-door. You had the encyclopedia salesman, the knife salesman, all, all those folks that would, would sell door-to-door. What was the movie Will Smith? He was selling. What was he selling door-to-door? It wasn't exactly door-to-door. It was like a bone density scanner he was trying yeah. to sell to doctors. Okay, yeah. What was the name of that movie? It was fantastic. So good, I can't Pursuit even remember. Pursuit of Happiness? The there you go. Pursuit of Happiness. He gets invited to the Niners game and sits in a box and it's like, what's all this about? Covina High School, Covina, California, got a couple of kids selling door-to-door and the old ring doorbell gets them. Somebody doesn't actually come to the door. 
But the uh, guy says, uh, can I help you? Uh, yeah, can we talk to you? Actually, I'm busy right now. Sorry, I can't go to the door. Uh, you got an Amazon package out here. Oh, do I? Okay, great. Yeah, so my partner and I here, we uh, we play football for Covina High School, and uh, we're trying to raise money. We're working really hard trying to raise money for uh, new uniforms for our team. Oh, really? I know for a fact you guys don't go to Covina High School. I'm a teacher there. Huh? What, what was that? Yeah, um, did you say you play football? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a running back. Really? Because I'm a football coach at Covina. What's your and he goes, Are you really? What's your name, coach? And the coach goes, What's your name? He goes, Marco. And and then the, the coach says, What's the head coach's name? He goes, uh, Hernandez. <laughs> Just completely makes it up out of thin air. Coach through his ring doorbell goes, Um, you guys need to leave this area right now. Uh yeah, yeah, yes, sir. Okay. Can you trust those? I mean, if somebody knocks on your door, I mean, Borky, you hate people knocking on your door, especially if they're Christmas carolers. It's been a while since we've talked about that. But but it's true. What if a kid shows up at your door saying that he plays football for Germantown and he's selling these schedule magnets to go on your refrigerator because they're trying to raise money for new uniforms? You can smell that out pretty quick, I think. You you can tell if it's actually kids from the school or not. When I lived in Bellhaven, we had a, a local basketball team that was mm-hmm. uh, trying to get us to buy or, or to donate to their cause, and they were wearing different uniforms with different team names on them and everything. Like it, So you can tell. Hey, Dad, that was Borky's way of saying he was going to tell that kid to scram. Get off my porch! And the age difference was pretty significant. But uh, the best part about this video is as they're walking away, one guy hits the other and goes, that's a coach's house, man. You <laughs> moron. <laughs> what are you thinking? How was I supposed to know? Scam didn't work out. It's a shame. Sports Talk yeah, Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Did you guys have the fundraisers at school for like, the American Lung Association, where you had to go door to door, knock on people, ask just for random donations in your neighborhood. Was it Sally oh, Fields wrapping paper or something? Yeah. Jane always liked that. She said it was actually really good wrapping paper. That's like the one fundraiser she would look forward to be asked, hey, will you donate wrapping paper? Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Braves won earlier 7-zip. They sweep the Miami Marlins in the National League Division Series and are headed to the NLCS for the first time since 1999. So the Braves back and now four wins away from the World Series. Houston trying to close out Oakland, bottom of the sixth inning out of the West Coast. The Astros lead it 7-4 to over the A's, and they are batting, trying to add to the lead with first and second 
and two out. Tampa Bay and New York. Rays leading the series two games to one over the Yankees. 6-10 tonight on TBS if you want to watch that game. Yankees trying to win and force game five. And Dodgers trying to make quick work of the Padres. They lead it two games to none. 8-0-8 Central Time first pitch on MLB Network. You also, in college football land, have the Houston Cougars making their season debut. This is the fifth, I think, different attempted opening game of the season for Houston. And it looks like they're actually going to play tonight. Houston is a six-and-a-half-point favorite over Tulane, who is two-and-one on the year. It is happening in Houston, Texas. Again, the Cougs, a six-and-a-half-point favorite in the ballgame. 601-879-4395. That is the number for the C Spire text line at C Spire. They're always asking the big questions, like why wait for the next device to get the device you want? You know that other carriers make you sit tight until the next big devices come out, and then maybe they'll give you a deal on the iPhone you really want. You know it, C Spire knows it, and we all know that's bull. That's why they're bringing you the best deal on your choice of iPhone today. Whether you're upgrading, adding a new line, or switching from another carrier, this is the deal you've been holding out for right now. $100 off at your local C Spire store and online at cspire.com. We are glad to have you along for the ride. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. The Mac Maction is coming back. The schedule release announced today from the Mac. Six games. It's a league-only football schedule and will feature only midweek games for the first three weeks of the year. Give the people what they want. All 12 MAC teams will open the season on Wednesday, November 4th, and then play their next two games on Tuesdays or Wednesdays before transitioning to Saturdays for the final three weeks of the year. Each team will play five division opponents and one crossover opponent. The MAC was the first FBS conference to postpone the fall season because of concerns surrounding coronavirus. Back on September 25th, they said, yeah, wait, changed our minds, we're going to play. Miami of Ohio is the defending league champ. They will open at home against Ball State. Central Michigan was the runner-up last year. Winner of the Western Division, they will open at home against Ohio University. Ball State, Bowling Green, Central Michigan, Kent State, Miami of Ohio, and Northern Illinois will have two home games during the midweek or maction portion of the schedule. I love that that's become a thing. Like that's, that's smart that, branding. That's in, yes, it is. I mean, that's in Adam Rittenberg, senior writer at ESPN's official story, calling it Maction. Yeah, that's, that's, we've been calling it that unofficially. And we, we, the league knows that we love that Tuesday, Wednesday night football they give us. So they're like, let's embrace it. Smart. No fans at the games. 
Every school is going to decide whether or not to have marching bands or cheerleaders in accordance with local public health guidelines. Championship game December 18th at Ford Field. It's beautiful. I mean, we're going to get that, to mid-November, and it's going to feel like a regular college football season, except for the fact that nobody will be in the stands in most places. Yep. We're all back. Glad we cured all those diseases. Mm-hmm. Kind of like COVID goes away at night. Evidently. And it's terrified of the fair. Will not go to the fair. But, buddy, if you tailgate with three, four other people, oh, it'll get you. You think there's something in the Pronto Pups that helps keep them away? That batter is got it's COVID proof. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I mean, mm. I know the next joke is there's worse diseases that you can catch on those rides, but <laughs> <laughs> oh me, ah! Kevin Sumlin is asymptomatic after testing positive for COVID nineteen. And he expects to consult with his doctor this week before solidifying a plan for when he can return to in-person coaching duties. He said in a video press conference this week, it's unfortunate, but we'll see where we are at the end of the week. From a timeline standpoint, uh, standpoint, I was tested last week, but it wasn't confirmed until this weekend. So it's about a week into this thing. I don't have symptoms. Neither does my son. He's leading team meetings via video conferencing. Didn't he kick a guy off the team for testing positive? No, it was not following their protocol in the facility. If you if you test positive, you're sort of not following protocol somewhere. Or maybe masks don't really make that much of a difference. I don't think that's it. Oh, you can follow protocols and still get this thing. I guess. I mean, yeah. I'm just I'm just trying to figure it out. You know, I, I love good hypocrisy. So if I can get my hands on some, I'll take it. Someone says the lesson is this thing's serious. No matter what precautions you have, you have to be extremely aggressive about your protection, about your health, and as well as others. Hey, listen, I'm not the only one that this has happened to, even though I've been really vigilant about what's happened. I've been fortunate over the last week about symptoms and being asymptomatic, and so is my son. So if there's anything that's good out of it, it's become that. You cannot be too careful. You just can't. What would you guess... uh, if you had to fashion a guess, what would be your guess for how Les Miles contracted coronavirus? He was hanging out with the lawn mowing crew, trying to get some tips on you know what tastes better. Those guys weren't following protocols. 66-year-old Les Miles learned of his positive test earlier today, began isolating at home, will continue to handle his head coaching responsibilities remotely and not attend the team's upcoming practices. Les Miles, quote, although I will not physically be able to attend practices for the time being, I will be using the technology available for remote working to stay connected during staff meetings, meetings with players, etc. Thank you for your prayers and support in advance. I look forward to beating this virus and returning back to be with my team in person very soon. Kansas has an open date this week before resuming play October 17th at West Virginia. Jeff Long, the AD at Kansas, says at this time we believe Miles will be able to continue to perform his head coaching duties based on the other test results. No other coaches tested positive. Long as Coach Miles does not develop symptoms or have a fever, we anticipate he will be able to coach the West Virginia game 
on October 17th. What does this mean? Jeff Long said the test was confirmed through surveillance testing and that health officials were going through contact tracing protocols. Surveillance testing? I don't know what that means. Hmm. Second coach this week to announce he's tested positive, joining Arizona's Kevin Sumlin. You also previously have had Toledo's Jason Candle, Florida State's Mike Norvell, and Arkansas State's Blake Anderson, who have recovered from the virus. By the way, Kansas is 0-3. And speaking of, the SEC is warning of fines and bans for coronavirus protocol violations. If you thought we weren't serious when we told you not to do it anymore last week, we're really serious now. For the second straight week, Commissioner Greg Sankey sent out an internal memo to ADs and coaches on the need to follow protocols, this time outlining fines and possible suspensions in the event they do not. Bolded and underlined for emphasis, the memo stated, do not relax and do not let those around you relax because of a few weeks of success. Programs whose coaches, staff, or other personnel fail to adhere to the approved task force requirements will be assessed $100,000 reductions in conference revenue. The amount will increase by $100,000 for each subsequent week of noncompliance. There's some big word stuff here. We'll get to the rest of this in just a second. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, Thursday afternoon, rolling through the 5 o'clock hour. When did you finish that story from uh, fines from the SEC? This is a top-shelf Greg Sankey quote right here. You ready? The imposition of any reduction in conference revenue for failure to substantially comply with or repeated disregard of the SEC masking requirement will be determined at the commissioner's discretion. In addition, individuals who fail to comply with or disregard the masking requirement could be subject to penalties, including but not limited to suspension for a specified period. That is how you debate. That is how you debate. How do you think he proposed to his wife? My proposition to you is a long-term commitment that you and I engage with while also living in the same dwelling and sharing our financial accounts via multiple banks and filing taxes in a joint manner. Will you engage in that commitment with me Whatever her name is, we will we will address the issue of offspring when we reach that moment. There's no reason to talk in hypotheticals with regard to the exactly. future of offspring. <laughs> exactly, I, I you to, know, want to deal with the, with the with the present. To illustrate my commitment to you, as we potentially begin this blessed union, <laughs> I have a circular piece of metal, the finest known to man. It is golden color. <laughs> hey. He's like purred happily sometimes. 
the, the whole the whole, cr- the, the whole crowd at the church groaned when they said the groom has written his own vows. Oh, oh God, we're gonna be here forever. It's anti-coach speak, but it's the same principle. Yeah, it's like uh, Commissioner, can we do this out loud and in English? Words. I want I want to see if I can read that first sentence without taking a breath. The imposition of any reduction in conference revenue for failure to substantially comply with or repeated disregard of the SEC masking requirement will be determined at the commissioner's discretion. Whew, I made it. Good job. It's like the tunnel in Mobile. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep driving. You'll get through eventually. Have you ever pulled it off, holding your breath all the way through? Yeah, I did uh, this summer. I was impressed. Yeah. Mobile's tough. The one in uh, on the way to Fayetteville's tough also. Oh, well, there is a, there is a tunnel there. That's right. Yeah, it's right through the middle of the mountain. Yeah. The story does include in consecutive weeks, high-profile SEC games have featured coaches improperly wearing their face coverings. Mississippi State coach Mike Leach was shown frequently with his mask pulled down during his team's win over LSU on September 26th, and on Saturday, Jimbo Fisher of Texas A&M was shown repeatedly not wearing his face covering during the TV broadcast of the Aggies' loss to Alabama. Leach was a little better last week with it, wasn't he? Yes, yes. And it, it was a different mass, too. More Probably. breathable? I, I, yeah, yeah. It, it looked that way. He, he wore it through, through the press conference, so I think he might have been trying to make a statement of his own. <laughs> you, <laughs> think he was making a point at the end? I think so, yeah. What was up with the uh, tornado siren on the phone? Somebody asked him how they came up with like the name, or he—he, he, I don't know if somebody asked him. I—I I don't think that's how these things ever go. But I think he was asked about his offense and the origins of it, and he talked about how they were just messing around. And they came up with the name Air Raid, and because they heard this siren, he's like, "Let me give you an example." The—the—the the, the better part is him trying to do the siren without the phone, and then he realized he needed the part to where he goes, "Yeah, basically, basically, that's what it was." Yeah. So, I feel like we're gonna get one of these every week from him. There's gonna be something. Every week. It's a little disappointing that nobody at Mississippi State in the media corps, you included, Brian Haydad, has taken up the mantle of asking the off-the-wall question that really gets him going down the rabbit hole. That was a thing at Washington State. I think that would be that's something though. It feels like it's more of an in-person kind of thing where we don't. I don't feel like I have that relationship with the guy. You know, I mean, he only sees my face through the the computer screen. So you know. I, I just I feel like if we were there every week and we could joke around a little bit after or something, you we would get. Hey, Dad, I have yet to meet the man in person, but the last time we talked to him on this here radio program, he gave us an oral history of every town in which he has ever lived in his entire life, and that was based on a question about recruiting because of the different coaching locales he has been to. I mean, he'll get you there sometimes, but as far as like just asking the the random off the wall question. I don't know. I mean, those guys at Washington State have been with him for years. They knew him. Yeah. So somebody's got to do it. My Especially with Halloween opinion. coming up, it's a perfect window of opportunity. Uh, you, no, yeah, you got a point there. Hurricane coming, Halloween. He didn't want to talk about football with you guys. I know. I know it's the job of the media to ask questions, but none of these coaches want to talk football with anybody in the media. Literally, can, the last can, thing. Can they I want request to do a, a question from you, Hey Dad, for Coach Leach? Yeah, sure. The problem now. The, here's the problem with this. 
before we go any further, the press conference is scheduled to start at 2. But he normally shows up around 2.45, 2.50, and I can't get in the press conference because i got to be on the show here. So I don't know what I'm going to ask this question. So make well, sure it's appropriate post-game. Yeah. Maybe I just need to save it for the next time that he's kind enough to spend a few minutes with us. We can make that on happen. Radio. Coach? Maybe, maybe the bye week we can get him on. What's your question? I want to know what it is. The, the last time we talked, you gave us the oral history of the 21 places you've lived in your life. One spot for the rest of your life. Finland or Key West, and why? I want to know more about that Finland stop. I, I was in, when he. I don't know if you saw, but when he said that, my I, I like totally perked up. I was like, what, did he say Finland? Don't Finland you remember when we were going through his coaching bio, the uh, semi-pro team he coached in Finland? I don't remember that. No. Yeah, I don't remember the name of the uh, the FFL, the Finnish Football League. Yeah, start to finish, it's great. In terms of international vacation spots, where would you rank Finland? I bet during the summer it's really nice. You know, it's probably very temperate. The fjords. If you're a single man, I'm sure the Scandinavian ladies are beautiful. Uh, they might even be beautiful if you're not single. Well, yeah, I mean they're beautiful either way. It's just are you, you know, can you can you approach them or not? I don't know. Uh, I, I would imagine that, that area of the world, the the beer and the vodka are pretty good. Two of my favorite things to drink. Um, Finland and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about Finnish food. I don't know what they're eating up there. Probably some seafood, which I like. Fish and chips. Like, that that seems more British, if I had to guess. <laughs> so, I think I, probably a lot of smoked salmon. I like that. So, do they have Swedish meatballs? Do they have Finnish meatballs? I don't know the answer. Would you rather visit Sweden or Finland? Sweden. Why? I think he's got a better rep, you know. People people talk about Sweden all the time. Finland, you know, all you hear about is the the Helinski syndrome. Would you rather go to Finland or Iceland? Ooh, that's a good question. Iceland, uh, Iceland has kind of become the international high Iceland spot is, with uh, Reykjavik yeah, and whatnot. Yeah, it's 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 supposed to be pretty cool. Uh, I'm gonna go Iceland on that one. Shorter trip too. By the way, I am intentionally avoiding clicking on the C Spire text line for Get Back to Sports. We're good so Let's far. Let's see here. Have Borky do a remote sports Sunday from Finland and give us a report, probably double his audience. <laughs> is that your guy, Borky? Is that your dude? That's that, that, that is the guy. That, that guy. It's funny because he kind of uh, owns himself, and I guess he doesn't realize it because he always talks. Dude, he about likes it. you. He listens every week. Every I think single he likes him, right. Sunday he likes you. morning, every single one. Yet he tells me the show sucks, but yet here he is every Sunday morning. So he it either is a means, troll. oh yeah, but it either means you've got nothing better to do, or, or you actually enjoy what's happening. Yeah, he's just a troll. Somebody mentioned the Northern Lights. I bet Borky would be happy to do a show from Finland, though. That would probably be pretty cool. What time would it be over there? 8 a.m. here is what there? 8 a.m. here would be like... Not 8 a.m. Like 11 at night. That far east? Well, I mean, I I know that Great Britain is six hours ahead from Central Time. I know that just because of soccer. Quinn says the Sunday show is awesome. Best one on this network, says hey, me way, and my I, wife. Did you guys see what Dan Mullen had rigged up on Saturday? 
Was it a pair of Yeezys that he made it a point to bring up and show everyone? They're Nike brand now. Man, he's a Nike guy. He's all Jordan brand. Let me tell you about these awesome J's. What did he have? A mask that was built into his headset. Oh, yeah, yeah. You look at superheroes. That guy. That ah, well, you know. guy. Check out these J's. Great. Limited edition. Gator colors. Go Gators. We might be more serious when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at Supertalk. No promises. .fm. I wonder what the golf courses are like in Finland. with you on Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm As best I can tell, there has been no change for Southern Miss in terms of their game with FAU that is scheduled to start at 3 o'clock on Saturday. I, I, I don't know if I've missed the news somewhere. The official Southern Miss website does not have a story about it. There is a story about a time change with their game against UTEP the following week. But um, at least for now, no change that I can see for Southern Miss's game on Saturday, which is a little surprising to me, but maybe that storm track as it comes on board is going to kind of skirt even north of Hattiesburg? I hope so. It keeps pushing west but taking that right turn and still going directly over Oxford. But, you know, not a geography guy, but Oxford is way north of Hattiesburg, so maybe they just think they'll avoid it. Maybe so. All right. I'm sharing a rabbit hole. I said we'd be more serious when we came back, and maybe we will in a minute. Nah. So, I have a question for you guys but in the last segment I wanted to get your thoughts on. When... We went to break just a moment ago. I typed in Finland and hit enter. Just wanted to see what popped up. I was going to do an image search, just look at some pictures of Finland. But the first thing I found was something about the president of Finland, whose name is Juha. Uh-oh, time travel all of a sudden. Hey, Dad, I want to take you way back and test your Ole Miss basketball knowledge. You know where I'm Juha going with this? Juha Lutonen, wasn't his name? My, my good friend Rick McKay, who is the public address announcer for Ole Miss basketball at the Pavilion, going way back at the Tad Pad. 1990 to 1991-92-92-93. Ole Miss had a player from Finland that Ed Murphy at the time found and brought over. And I remember Rick McKay, you know, going to games as a 10-year-old. Juha Lutonen! He does it so much better than I did. So, I immediately typed into the Google search bar, Juha Lutonen, and I discovered, via LinkedIn, no less, that he is now the Deputy Managing Director at Luta Sportswear Company. He's been in that role for a little over a year after serving 22 years in different positions at L Fashion Group back in his hometown of uh, Lati, Finland. Apparently pretty darn successful. So he has been in the sports fashion industry for, uh, I don't know, the last 24 years or so. Juha Lutinen. 
Still got the blonde hair that he had when he was running around in bad uniforms for Ole Miss in the early 90s. Shorty shorts. The old English Ole Miss block letters. That's the same era as Joe Harvell. Oh, yeah. Patrick Eddy and Sean Murphy and those guys. Patrick Eddy. It's crazy how I can get you sometimes. Well done. Hey, you remember J.J. Sims? That name is familiar, but I can't. I can't picture him in my. Was he a big white guy? No, big black guy. Bald okay, head. Who was the big? Who was the big he, he, white guy? Not Sean Murphy. I can't remember him. He was just like a monstrous human being, though. You're not talking about John Ingstrom, uh, oh. are you? Maybe. They have a buzz cut. Yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. Then, yeah. There you go. So, yeah, um, J.J. Sims, this would have been like 94, 95. I think he was one of two from behind the arc in his career, and somehow with the clock winding down on a Saturday night against Auburn, ends with the ball in his hand, lets it fly, and knocks down a three to beat Auburn in an SEC game. There you go. I'd have to go back and look, but I'm telling you, I think he was one of two from three in his career. And I don't know if the miss came before or after the make to win an SEC game or not. I don't know if it was one of those deals where all of a sudden he thought he was an outside shooter and just let it fly. Probably missed everything. Taking you way, way back. Give me a random Mississippi State basketball name that I would have not thought of in 20 years. From that same era? Pre-Final Four, yeah, early 90s. Doug Hartsfield. No, it doesn't do it for me. Uh, Tony Watts. Maybe. Maybe. Todd Merritt. Mm-mm. Not at all. Don't remember Vanilla Ice? Come on, man. Greg Carter and Cameron Burns, of course. Yeah, I, Greg Carter's name rings a bell. Somebody uh, just popped Todd Merritt on us on the C Spire text line. Yeah, Todd Merritt. Uh, you know Carl Nichols? He still goes to every basketball game. Jason says, has anyone stayed or Ole Miss had a player from Ireland in any sport? Some of those folks can play some basketball. Not that I know of. Hmm. About Chucky Evans. Hey, Dad was thinking of, about Keith Peel or Wes Harden. Wes Harden is the guy I'm thinking of. That is the one. Thank you. Wow. Nah. And by the way, Borky, your buddy that uh, trolls you all the time, he says, look, Borky, I just gave you a reason to talk about Sports Sunday. You're welcome for the plug. And nobody else will do it around here, so thank you. <laughs> oh, Wes Harden. God. Is he the uh, the doctor that did your... Uh... No. No, that's Brent Harden. Uh, the, uh, I was about to be full circle there, man. Jeez. <laughs> Not the same guy, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, I had a joke that I almost said. Oh, man, I should have done it anyway, even though we'd have gotten flagged by the CDC. Huh. Or, or not CDC. Well, I guess we could have there, too, but the uh, FCC. Well, I did my best on the Bulldogs there. I don't. I guess you don't, you don't remember them that well. I did, uh, by the way, get a message just a moment ago from uh, Jack Duggan, the uh, sports information director or media yeah. relations director for football at Southern Miss, and he said there has been no change in game time for Southern Miss in their game against FAU as of right now. And if anything changes, he promises that he will let us know. And if he does, we will absolutely get it to you as quickly as we get it. But uh, for now, 
Thanks, Jack. 3 o'clock on Saturday, still what they're going with. Thanks, Jack. You're the best, man. And I guess with travel, too, you don't have to worry as much, right? Because Florida Atlantic is going, I mean, the opposite direction of yeah, the yeah. hurricane, too. So. Yeah. All right. I'm going to ask my question now. How long do I have, Borky? You got two minutes. All right. So you guys watched, I don't know if you guys watched The Dozen. It's the Barstool Sports Trivia Show that my buddy Brandon Walker's on a lot. No. Today he did a, a one-on-one trivia contest with PFT Commenter. He got to pick some of his own categories. One of them was Southern Food. He missed this question. I was irate with him. I want to know if Richard or, or Borky, I don't know if you'll get it, but Richard probably should. This salad is made with Turn pineapple. I know. Pineapple. Uh, mandarin orange slices, coconut, and marshmallows. Yes. I knew it. No, no. I know the answer to this. Ambrosia. Yes! Boom! How did he not know that? Did PFT and he let get the other right? guy who's... Fr- huh? PFT didn't have to answer it? No, he didn't have to answer it. PFT got his right. Which was this? Be- this dish is made with black-eyed peas, rice, bacon, and onions, and seasonings. Do you know what it is? You should. Mm. I mean, that sounds like the Taylor Grocery caviar. I don't know. Which is Hoppin' John? Oh yeah, I've never been a big Hoppin' John fan. I mean, you do yeah, that every cornbread. Hey, Dad. I know, I know what it is, though. But kinda, uh, he missed Ambrosia, and I'm just like, first off, how did you miss? And secondly, how did you not call me? I could have been the phone-a-friend on that. Oh, it's, like, come on, man. Do you get phone-a-friend in that scenario? You do. I have been his phone-a-friend once, but I did not know the answer. Ooh. Well, that's why I didn't call you back. You let him down the first I time. I guess. I should have known the... If you got a food question, you need to call me. Borky, would you have gotten Ambrosia correct? No, but I have had it, and this might make people mad. It is disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. It's terrible. But I'm not a coconut guy. Yeah, I like coconut, but those things mixed together, they do not work. What were the what were the ingredients again? Coconut and pineapple, mandarin orange slices, coconut, and marshmallows. Yeah. Complete aside here has nothing to do with anything. Perhaps. The biggest, everybody's got like one gag reflex food. Oh, yeah. I can eat just about anything. Like, just about anything. But? Gag reflex for me, cottage cheese. Oh. Yeah. Not a huge fan. I put ricotta in my lasagna, but that's not, that's all. Oh, ricotta's dope. It is. I've got a stromboli with ricotta in it waiting for me when I get home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Did you cook that on the grill? No, somebody's cooking it for us. <laughs> this guy. Sports Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.